episode 1077, Cookie Christmas, A Mockingbird in a Pear Tree. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Christian, bringing you theology at warp speed. I'm Ben Anderson. I'm Ben Devono. I saw you reaching for that water, and I thought to myself, take that, Scott Hansen. Yeah, check and out. Then, yeah, if, you, if you're not on Patreon, you won't get that joke. Listeners, you can find us on patreon.com forward slash the sci-fi Christian on the latest Uncensored episode. Ben has a great football-related conspiracy. That's right. That's right. But here we, we have a a uh, non-football, but but much more serious conspiracy. So I, I've been promising, I've been teasing this for a while, that I was going to kind of give my, my sub-conspiracy here. So the way this episode's going to work is I'm going to frame it up um, by talking about where my original or yeah, I'm not going to claim nobody's ever had this thought, but it feels original to me. My conspiracy comes from, and then I'll, I'll set the stage for the actual conspiracy that's out there. And it's is honestly, we'll talk a little bit about it, but there's not a ton to say on it because I think it's you know just it, it, it's much more out there than a lot of them. But this is a you know your annual kooky Christmas CIA episode. So just to remind everybody that the CIA is a criminal organization, and you should not trust them with anything. And this, you know, last year we did uh, MK Ultra. This year uh, we're doing uh, uh, Project Mockingbird. And uh, if you, if we ever get to a kooky Christmas where there's not a CIA episode, you'll know they got to me. Like that, <laughs> that'll be the sign. That'll be the sign. I'm standing tall here still. Oh, well, one year later. Oh, and on on that note, so I, I do think the CIA is a evil organization. I do want, think it's fair to give the counter argument to that, though. And the counter argument is is simply that the Cold War was a different time. You know, the Cold War was such unique circumstances that it called for the type of excesses that the CIA did. Did, um, I, and I think that's a fair argument. I actually do. Uh, I think that my counter back to it would be number one. Uh, yes, but to what point? Like there are to to win the Cold War, even forget win, just survive in the Cold War. Like where you have two superpowers with guns to each other's heads, you obliterate civilization uh, if things go off. Like okay, you need to color outside the lines. I get it. Like I get it. But to what extent? You know, and I think you look at the excesses of the CIA and other intelligence agencies, it's like, okay, we are way beyond, I think, what was justifiable. And then number two, well, the Cold War is long gone. CIA is still here doing CIA things. Uh, and if you think any of this stuff has stopped, uh, you're kidding yourself. So I know you've said the CIA more than I have, but sometimes when you talk about it, even though it's a government organization, it seems like it has aspects of what you usually find in a secret society oh Do you, it totally does so, it totally so does i mean it says even just like their budget is is blacklisted you don't know what's in the cia's budget so so there's elements of that but at the same time and i know where this episode's going so I, we don't have to go down this trail all the way but me personally i've always thought of the cia as the good guys of course you and, have. and i so uh whatever you say i'm just going to be totally honest when you say they're evil i can feel myself start like 
They feel a little I defensive, don't you? Yeah, I want to yeah. push back a little bit because yeah. in all the movies that I watched, these these are They're the, the good, good guys. guys. Of course they are. Yeah, yeah, and you've been conditioned very well by Operation Mockingbird and, and others to to have that exact viewpoint, not just that you feel like they're the good guys, but to want to push back on it. And it's not an accident that you have that. So we'll, we'll get there. But I actually want to start with a, a, a bit of a, a story and a story about a famous author who I think he's come up on the show a few times, never directly. Uh, it's Tom Clancy. Hmm. So mm-hmm. Tom Clancy, of course, famous author. And you're a fan. Red October. I am. I've been, I've actually been uh, re-listening to, uh, some of his books, his Jack Ryan series. I just finished uh, Cardinal of the Kremlin, which is just a, a really, really terrific novel. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about specifically Hunt and Patriot games in this episode. Uh, but yeah, you know, Tom Clancy, I read all of his stuff as a teenager. You know, he wrote dad fiction, so my dad was very into him. Mm. And if you don't know what dad fiction is, well, it's just like you know, books your dad's going to read, you know, military uh, stuff very technical you know very detailed all of that so it's been kind of fun because you never know how that stuff's gonna uh, hold up from when you were a teenager but I'd, I'd say it holds up very well at least or at least two of them did uh, we'll talk about patriot games in a little bit but tom clancy you know so best-selling author uh, and really not just a best-selling author but i think you it, i think it's hard to appreciate now how much he redefined if not just straight out invented the military fiction genre. Like you did have, of course, you had spy novels. I mean, you have Ian Fleming long before Tom Clancy of Jean Le Car. You have, you know, any number of spy novels, but this unique blend of spy novels plus the highly technical details, the military fiction, all of that. There are a dime a dozen now, you know, but back then, uh, in the middle of the 80s, genre just didn't exist. So I think you, Tom Clancy, to if you if you have a dad who loves those books, and I have a dad who loves those books, you know, say thank you to the ghost of Tom Clancy. Other fun Tom Clancy fact, uh, which I'm just going to throw out here because it, it doesn't uh, fit anywhere else in the episode. Did you know he almost owned the Minnesota Vikings? No, I didn't know that. Yes. When? In the late 90s. Okay. So when... There was like an ownership group, and they sold the team to Red McCombs, who <laughs> just ran it into the ground in subsequent years. But Tom Clancy had an agreement to buy the Vikings. Why was he interested in the Minnesota team? I just it was they were for sale okay. at the time. So he actually had an agreement to to buy them. Um, it fell through because he got divorced, hmm. and you know his wife took half his money. Um, but I remember vividly when he was doing this like they were you know he was a prolific smoker and over them telling when they were interviewing him they're like you know there's no smoking at the metrodome he's like well in my suite there will be (laughs) yeah and a weird coincidence there too in his book and i hope this isn't a spoiler so some of all fears um the main action point in that is a nuclear bomb going off in the book uh on u.s soil and in the novel, I, I don't remember what happens exactly in the film, but in the novel, it goes off during the Super Bowl, and the Vikings are playing the Chargers in the Super Bowl in uh, the novel, Some of All Fears. And for the record, they are winning at now, the time. Was he? Did he choose the Vikings because he was planning to buy them at the time? No, no, no. This so was Some t- of All Fears is like early 90s. So, so this is like six, seven years earlier. Yeah, yeah. How would he have picked the Vikings? Right. Isn't that, that just weird? You know, and it's, he's from Maryland, so it's not even yeah. regionally. But yeah, Tom Clancy almost owned the Minnesota Vikings. That's wow. his, his Minnesota connection. But yeah, so the Tom Clancy story actually goes back to uh, the 70s. So um, he got his 
published in the mid eighties, but he, he the nineteen seventies, um, he started writing Patriot Games, which was his first written book, but not his first published book. His first published book is Hunt for Red October. So the publication order and the chronological order of the Jack oh. Ryan series are slightly okay. out of order. So he writes Patriot Games and doesn't go anywhere. You know, he's not able to sell it, not able to do anything with it. So writes around the same time, writes Hunt for Red October. And he eventually gets it published and he sells the publishing rights for $5,000. So hardly a runaway bestseller. And keep in mind that by the time you get to the 90s, like when you think of popular fiction you know the stephen kings the john grishams of the world tom clancy was right there yeah i would agree with that yeah he was huge in the 90s just and it's hard to fathom because i think post jk rowling you know the whole ya genre came and it's like the the popular fiction in the 90s was a different breed what's i i we don't go too far down this road but what is popular right now what's the popular type of fiction right now i don't know I've stopped <laughs> stopped paying attention to I mean, it. We read a lot, yeah, uh, but we read a lot of older things. Yeah, I don't know what people are really I, into I, right you know, now. I, I was looking at some of the bestseller lists in preparation for this episode because I was like, "Where did Tom Clancy rank?" John Grisham still sells a crap ton mm. of books, uh, and I haven't read one for a long, long time. Um, I don't know. It feels like it's YA vampire crap, but that's probably like a decade out of yeah, date I think at that's this too point. Late. Yeah, hmm, okay. I don't know. I don't know either. So. Anyway, Tom Clancy sells the rights to Hunt for Red October for a paltry $5,000. He's a published author, but, you know, it's not really going anywhere. And then this happens. President Ronald Reagan is photographed getting out of Air Force One with a copy of the Hunt for Red October under his arm. He's asked about it. He says it's a great read. The book explodes. And Tom Clancy becomes one of the biggest authors in the universe. Wow, I did not know that. Sorry, you know, as for, especially for this type of fiction. I mean, it isn't like Ronald Reagan got out with a copy of you know the Wheel of Time under his arm. This is like you know exactly the type of if you could choose one endorsement, this is yeah. it. And by the way, nice trivia piece there too. He later dedicated his novel Executive Orders to Ronald Reagan, which is the novel where Jack Ryan becomes president. Oh, wow. Yes. Jack Ryan becomes president? He does. He I does. didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. It's a wild term. How many books did he did he actually write? Because did they continue Jack Ryan they, books they after did. he passed away? So, well, and even before he passed away, he brought in the co-author. Okay. The co-author is always a bad sign. James Patterson, speaking of best-selling authors, he was like at one point publishing like six books a year. But he wasn't writing any of them. So it's always, you know, Tom Clancy with blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah. What does know? that mean? That they just let their name be on it? Do they do anything to it add to depends. it? It depends. Okay. I think it varies. James Patterson always claimed that he has outlines. But, hmm. you know, that's stay away from the co-author. So books. how many Tom Clancy written Jack Ryan books are there? Uh, so I think there's uh, – so in the series, you have Patriot Games, Hunt for Red October, Cardinal the Kremlin – Clear and Present Danger. And then there's a side character named John Clark. He has two solo books, Without Remorse and Rainbow Six. Uh, Some of All Fears. I don't know if I mentioned that one or not. Yeah, Some of All Fears, Dead of Honor, Executive Orders, The Bear and the Dragon. And then there's Teeth of the Tiger, which is the first Jack Ryan Jr. book. Really? And then there's a prequel called Red Rabbit that I think takes place around the time of Patriot Games. So that's 12 altogether. Wow. Yeah. 
And you're reading through all of those or just your favorites? I'm, I'm going to read through all of those. Is Jack Ryan Jr. a kid or just a, an adult who is He's there? an adult by that point. He's actually, uh, he's born at the very end of Patriot Games. Okay. Uh, so it's it's a whole Kinda saga. Cool. Yeah. yeah. And so Jack Ryan starts out, uh, you know, as a CIA analyst and works his way up from there. So he's got like, this is like a fairy tale story, basically, you know, you're you sell this military fiction. You're an insurance salesman. You you know you want to be a published author, and then Ronald Reagan endorses your book. And oh by the way, your book just happens to be like the Cold War novel for the Reagan era. You know it's incredible. It's a little too incredible. It's a little too perfect, if you ask me. So let's back up a step here. And let's talk about the CIA. Let's talk about Operation Mockingbird. So Operation Mockingbird, it's it's a little bit confused as far as what's confirmed here and what's not. So there was a declassified program called Project Mockingbird, which sometimes is used interchangeably. I think I even have done this in this episode already with Operation Mockingbird. Project Mockingbird was a, a... I believe it was Kennedy authorized wiretapping a couple of journalists during his administration by the CIA illegally. Um, but it's it's sort of taken on its life of its own as the overarching project in conspiracy circles for the CIA's efforts to influence the American public opinion through media. So whether or not Operation Mockingbird literally has encompassed that or that's just the term that has been popularly used for it, that's debatable. What's not debatable is that this has happened, and in a couple of different ways. So the explicit way is that the CIA openly consults with Hollywood. They openly consult with films. And this is, you know, nothing terribly scandalous about that, I guess. They do uh, have at various times uh, been successful in getting scripts to be rewritten to be more favorable to the CIA. They withhold their consultation if they don't so you're going to have a less accurate product uh, if you do that but there are movies that are able to be made that are critical of the cia or at least critical enough that i don't know if you ever saw the robert redford brad pitt movie spy game from the early 2000s i recently watched that yeah it's a decent enough movie and the cia refused to they they did not cooperate because they did not approve of the script in there so the cia is out there openly doing this the more interesting part is that the cia uh, in the 70s, when the Church Report came out, uh, Frank Church, who was a Democratic senator from Idaho, led this commission to investigate the CIA in the 70s, and this tied into a lot of the MK Ultra stuff from last year. So it came out in the Church Report that the CIA had hundreds of journalists on their payroll in various capacities at the time. So they were working, not openly, but working behind the scenes with journalists to plant stories to influence American public opinion uh, through the media. Now, the CIA has claimed that this doesn't take place anymore, but you have a precedent here, both explicitly, implicitly, that the CIA has worked to influence public opinion through U.S. media. Various whistleblowers over the year have come forward and say, yeah, the CIA's involvement with Hollywood actually goes a lot deeper to the point where they openly recruit through their quote-unquote consultation with Hollywood. Yeah, the consultation is nice, but the real goal is to recruit people in Hollywood to be CIA agents to funnel pro-CIA messaging into films, TV, books, 
what have you. So all of this to say Operation Mockingbird, that's why I said there isn't a ton to say about it, because it's just it's exactly what you would expect. Um, you can go you can turn your conspiracy dial up or down depending on how you much you want to be, but you can't turn it down any lower than that the CIA has been caught red-handed in the 70s planting stories whether there's minor or major manipulation with U.S. journalists to influence public opinion. And oh, by the way, the CIA's charter prohibits them from acting on U.S. soil. So this is illegal in addition to being unethical, immoral. I didn't know that. The CIA, the CIA is not supposed to operate Yes, they in cannot America. do any – that doesn't mean like they can't have an office here, but they are prohibited in their charter from doing operations on American soil. Wow, I was not aware of that. And that's why things like you know Operation Midnight Climax and all that from the MK Ultra stuff is so scandalous. And this is just being evil. It's like they targeted U.S. citizens, and when they do this, they target U.S. citizens – as well. You know, I watched Alias, and they do a lot of operations in America on, on Alias. Yeah, normalize it, right? Like, all this is, is not excellent. So this is where you can turn your conspiracy theory. If, if you turn it down all the way, you'd say, well, they got caught, but they stopped. I mean, if, if you think the CIA stopped when they got caught, you know, I have a bridge I can sell you. It's like, th- th- there's no way that happened. You don't have to turn it, your, crank it up as much as I do, which is that this is widespread and the CIA is, is 100% manipulating U.S. audiences through, uh, you know, television, through movies, through all of this. I think it's fairly obvious it's widespread, but that's the conspiracy out there. Okay, so let's go back to Tom Clancy then. When I was listening to Hunt for Red October a few months ago, it, it struck me how the CIA could not have asked for a better book for them because in the novel jack ryan uh he is recruited he's teaching history and then he is recruited to work with the cia so he eventually becomes in the series a cia analyst uh, and works his way up the ranks from there and what struck me very much in the book are two things and i think they go hand in hand number one is that the technical detail the level of accuracy that tom clancy had which is a lot of what his appeal was beyond reagan just like military people reading his stuff and being like this guy has done his work he knows his stuff goes well beyond i think the level of what a unpublished author with a day job could reasonably pull off especially in the pre-internet era there is are stories out there perhaps apocryphal of that various intelligence agencies confronted Tom Clancy after the publishing of Hunt asking where he got his classified material from because it was too good. The accuracy was too good. Wow. Okay, so that's number one. You have this extreme level of accuracy, and that's why the books get to be like a gajillion pages long. You You can basically get instructions on how to create a bomb this is my memory from reading some of all fears is that he like goes into extreme details on how you know all of this happens but he, he this high high technical accuracy number two is that in terms of how the cia is presented you couldn't ask for better cover you couldn't ask for a more willing advocate for you they are presented as to the extent that they're flawed they are noble flaws. And I'm kind of going to mesh material from 
all three books here together, Patriot Games, Cardinal, and, and Hunt, that at times the CIA maybe has excesses and Jack is shocked by what he sees, but then he works his way through it. And it's, it's sort of like if you were to write a book that in the process of reading it would convince you that even if the CIA crosses the line, sometimes they are for noble purposes and they are the good guys, which by the way is a term Clancy uses over and over and over again. There are clear lines of good guys, bad guys, good guys, bad guys. And the CIA is very much on the good guy's side. You couldn't ask for a more perfect novel. So, what's going on here? Uh, well, I started to wonder that as I was reading Hunt. I finished Hunt, and the beginnings of this episode started to occur to me. Then I read Patriot Games next. And Patriot Games struck me in a couple of different ways. Number one, it's not a very good book. I mean, Hunt for Red October is a, and you have to like that type of book. But even if you're not like, and I'm not a huge military fiction fan, uh, not like, you know, although I am a dad, dad fiction is not Mm -hmm. necessarily my forte. Hunt for Red October is just, it's a really good book. And it's a good movie too. I know you watched it recently. I did. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it, it very much holds up. Patriot Games does not. Patriot Games is at times laughably bad. Like, just amateurish writing, uh, all of that. So the, the plot of Patriot Games, uh, Jack is a total Mary Sue in this novel. He, the beginning of the book, he is on vacation in London, and he foils a terrorist uh, assassination or kidnapping attempt on the Prince and Princess of Wales. And then throughout the course of the book, he becomes friends with the royals. It's like this all like, oh, are you kidding me? You, you, this is your first book and you're starting out with your main character starts, gets knighted and is hobnobbing with the British royals. It's like, it's so blech. except, except the portions of the book where Jack is working with the CIA are much better. They're much, much better than the rest of the book. To me, they have the fingerprints of being rewritten later on. Hmm. So here's what I think happened. Do I think that Tom Clancy was recruited from the word go and wrote this book, these books? No. What I do think happened is this. He was writing his books. He did get Hunt in a, published, but I think the CIA very quickly uh, became aware of this novel and worked with him to re-edit and rewrite portions of both Hunt and Patriot Games to include more pro-CIA messaging in there. And and in to and in return they gave him A, the technical details to enhance it to the level that it was at, and B, the endorsement of one Ronald Reagan, which is about as good an endorsement as you could have possibly gotten for this type of book. I don't think this is an accident. It didn't just happen. I think, at a minimum, the CIA found about about Hunt and had Reagan endorse it for the purpose of getting this message out there. In other words, the success of Tom Clancy, and this isn't to take anything away from his abilities as an author, which, you know, he's not Ernest Hemingway. Let's not get carried away here. But for that type of genre, he's a very effective author. I think both Hunt and Cardinal I really, really enjoyed. Less so Patriot Games. Those two, I gave him both four stars on Goodreads. He's a good author. He's an effective author for that type of book. So not taking anything away from that. But his success, I am 
as convinced as I can be convinced that at least in part was part of Operation Mockingbird. And this is a Ben DeBono original theory? Yes. Wow. But there are some there are some weird things later on with Clancy. So there are this is where like if you want to get into conspiracies with him, I did see a few uh weird things. So first of all, the one thing that isn't a conspiracy is post the publication of Hunt for Red October, he and the CIA were tight-knit like he was lecturing at langley you know they were consulting on his books so whatever you think happened up until this point you know you there's still room for speculation of course but the cia and tom clancy are buds at this point like there is a mutual relationship taking place um but there's some weird stuff that takes place number one his book uh dead of honor predicted 9-11 not exactly, yeah, like not the Twin that? Towers, but, and I apologize for spoilers here, but the book includes a terrorist crashing a commercial airliner into the Capitol building. And what year did it, was it released? 1996 or 94, mid-90s. Okay. So well before 9-11. I mean, uh, instead of predicted, couldn't you just say somebody read that and stole the idea? I mean, you could look at it that way, but it is like, it's a... It's eerie how close it is, especially if you look at what were the plans for Flight 93, which likely were to crash into the White House or something else like that. By the way, that's how Jack becomes president. He's a member of the presidential cabinet at the time, a low-level member. Everyone in front of him gets taken out by this mm-hmm. terrorist attack. You know, so that's how he eventually oh, becomes of, president. Sorry, everybody. Lots of Jack Ryan spoilers in this episode. That's <laughs> <is> true. <laughs> you know, it's dad fiction. You don't read it for the intricate plot. You read it for the, the gross technical details and, and, and you know, brown nosing of the CIA. Uh, so you have that, which is a little bit odd. There is one conspiracy out there by a guy who I don't have his name here. Um, but he claims he used to work for the CIA, and he, he also puts doctor in front of his name, so you know he's legit. And he claims that Obama had Tom Clancy assassinated. And he did this because Tom Clancy, through his work with the CIA, was getting too close to the truth, whatever that happens to be. So it's very, you know, I won't say very possible. It's possible, according to this doctor who claims he worked for the CIA, that Tom Clancy, you know... He, he, he made a pact with the devil, and the devil took him out. More than meets the eye. Which I'm not calling Obama the devil. I'm calling the CIA the devil. But, you know, I also think anybody who is powerful enough to be elected president is pretty much the devil as well. So if the shoe fits. But wouldn't that, you know, there's just like this this great uh, melodrama in conspiracy form here. Struggling insurance salesman gets published, gets recruited as this sort of pseudo agent becomes the best-selling author because of that but then his connections eventually lead to his death as he gets too close to something and he's taken out by presidential order that part's probably a little less likely but i i do actually think the evidence is there i do not buy the perfection that Reagan just happened to be reading Hunt for Red October. And then the book cover was facing at just the right moment. Exactly. I don't buy it for a second. That at a minimum was deliberate. Tom Clancy was knowingly or unknowingly, deliberately or not, he was a portion of Operation Mockingbird and the CIA's ongoing attempts to influence American public opinion. 
Oh, oops. Wrong one. I mean, is this the end of the episode? That's the end of the episode. Okay, because I hit the wrong music right there. Uh, I, the, you know, this episode, didn't, I knew what you were going to talk about. It didn't go exactly where I thought it was going to go, but man, I, I love to get a Ben DeBono original theory. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you've been percolating on this one since when did you read that? Uh, oh, a few Beretta. months ago, okay. probably. October-ish. Man, oh man. Well, listeners, Cookie Christmas continues. I hope you're enjoying this. We'll be back next week, which we'll actually be recording. Uh, oh, we're just five days away from Christmas right now, so we're recording after Christmas. We still have two more episodes left. We're, we're going to uh, put these out throughout the Christmas season, which That's goes right. all the way until... Uh, the, the Feast of the Epiphany. Whenever that is. Whenever that is. <laughs> well, that's all from here. I'm Matt Anderson. I'm Ben DiBono. And we're the Sci-Fi Christians signing off. And goodbye. But even as you were doing that episode, I was wondering, would you recommend Tom Clancy books to me? I'd say try Hunt for Red October. And if you like it, yes. If you're like, if you have a meh to dislike reaction, just stop. Because that's the best one, would you say? Uh, you know, it's debatable, but they're not going to get any better. And they're certainly not going to get any shorter. After so that. of the 12, if Hunt for Red October isn't the number one, it's tied for number one? Most people put it at number one. It depends on preference, but it, it's a like that is the best the series has to offer, more or less. It's conceivable you could like another one later, but it's not like, well, just get through this one and they get way better. Okay. Okay. Have you noticed I've been plowing through Asimov like crazy? I did. I think I've read 15 of his books now over just the course of the last yeah. two years. I'm way behind you. Okay. Uh, I did not like Robots 4. It, I think he wrote it years, years later. Yeah. Is that the one that wasn't available? Yeah. But guess what? I found a really bad uh-huh. audiobook on YouTube that I just listened to at work. So in my review, if you read it, you'll see. I know I was listening to a bad one, but it was better than not reading it at all. Yeah. Or, <laughs> or reading it. it. Well, like I'm, I'm in the middle of Positronic, Positronic Man. Yeah. And when I say in the middle, I mean I think page 16. Yeah. And I started in July. Yikes.